Hi, welcome to CoinGeek Conversations. I'm very excited about today's guest. We'll be speaking to the director of Veridat. They are using blockchain technology to prevent fraud in the pharmaceutical industry, as well as shaping up a couple of other areas as well. Hello, Philip. How are you doing? Good, Natalie. Thanks for having me. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Natalie Mason. I'm so happy about the success that you've had at Veridat. So firstly, I'd like to talk to you about why the current drug system is so flawed and why it's resulting in so much fraud. Um, In your CoinGeek Conversations presentation, you explained how the global drug consumption rests on an honor system. Can you explain that? Sure. The the, the basic uh, premise here is that uh, data when created during um, uh, your preclinical through clinical trials um, needs to be complete. It needs to be honest. Um, the FDA and other regulatory bodies they don't necessarily test these compounds. They they look at the trajectory of your data to get to you know this this final result of from petri dish to you know testing it on humans you know to make sure that it's it's safe and it can be marketed. Um, and as you can imagine, in an industry with billions of dollars uh, at stake, um, there are people who function as bad actors. Um, but I think also more importantly is that what we've seen, especially with our pharma partner, is that it's less about uh, being a bad actor. Uh, it's more about streamlining uh, audit processes. Um, we've uh, built tools um, which allow basically uh, them to grant, you know, very, very uh, specific access when an auditor says, you know, something looks kind of funny here. Can we take a look at it? And they can point them to this. And if everybody is starting this process from the the basic concept that I don't need you to trust me, but you can certainly trust this blockchain technology in which our data has uh, um, gone through to validate the time of when something occurred, metadata that surrounds that particular trial, data that was created during it. So it's less about don't trust me, but you can really trust the data and the occurrence of it through this third party arbiter of truth, which is us. So do you see your work in that case um, being part of getting big companies to either comply or get struck off from being to op- being able to operate if they're not functioning within um, an honest framework? Sure. The FDA, as their, their rules have evolved, especially around um, digital platforms, right? As you can imagine, everything used to be on paper. You know, the, the a lab notebook is a, a physical thing that is a bound lab notebook that, you know, they write in. You can't delete anything. And if you have things to add to it, this is what they would typically hand in um, when they were ready to jump from one stage of the process to the next. And a lot of that has changed now. There are electronic lab notebooks, which was originally started uh, uh, Veridat, us uh, on the path of building Veridat. Um, all these systems now are network connected. Things are being uh, downloaded digitally, right? Um, you know, the, the paper printouts and stuff are becoming fewer and far between. And so the FDA has, you know, they've modified their approach where they're saying, okay, we don't necessarily want just this printout, but now you need to give us access, you know, on the on the back end. Um, and I think as they they get smarter as the evolution, you know, in 
how data is created and processed and stored, um, they'll continue to you know look at services uh, such as ours. I do believe, um, I don't believe everything requires uh, um, a blockchain solution, mm. uh, but I think uh, in regards to things like public health and safety, um, it behooves them. Plus, you know, who wants to maintain something like that? Like it's already out there. We've got the tools to make it so you don't have to have wallets, buy crypto, things of that nature, you know, it works with your your current system. Um, so I think the the interoperability um, that the public blockchain offers, uh, uh, BSV specifically, which is who we, we utilize, um, you know, I think I think they'll continue to, to reach out to services such as ours to, um, you know, get everybody on board. And they should want to. The question shouldn't be, why would I do this? The question should be, well, why wouldn't I? Well, you'd really hope so, because, I mean, it's not surprising that there's so much mistrust in big pharma, especially when we look at even some famous cases, for example, Johnson and Johnson. Um, and even say a few years ago, they were ordered to pay, I think it's $4.7 billion in damages to 22 women who had uh, ovarian cancer after using the signature baby powder, which of course mm -hmm. has had um, loads of issues. And then another thing I saw is that just last year, New York State, for example, filed um, civil charges accusing Johnson & Johnson of insurance fraud um, and downplaying the risks of the opioid painkillers. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, they're appealing in both cases and the FDA sided with them. And now they're pumping out a COVID vaccine. So, I mean, just as a spectator, how is this allowed to happen, in your opinion? You know, that's I think that's a fantastic question. Um, you know, the the Johnson and Johnson um, uh, incident, you know, is no different than tobacco. You know, there used to be, you know, advertisements for four out of five doctors recommend yeah. Paul Mall. Like, are you kidding me right now? I mean, there were, you know, there were these studies, these these institutes that were backed by, um, you know, big tobacco. And if we had this uh, third party, you know, such as, you know, Veridat in there that could have of ingested that information as it occurred, um, the general public would have known, okay, th these were the actual results. These were the things that actually transpired and not, you know, this manipulated version. Um, and Johnson and Johnson is going to learn the hard way uh, about that, the same way how the tobacco industry has and, and same with Purdue Pharma. You know, they, they knew all of these things. They had studies. The, the data was there. Um, we just weren't, you know, pertinent to it. We weren't given that level of access, and they certainly didn't did not hand that over when yeah. they applied uh, to 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 market these drugs, right? Um, so, you know, I, there's always going to be a fall guy, right? So the Johnson and Johnson, someone's going to get fired, I'm sure. They're going to say, don't let the actions of you know these people, you know, same thing in banking, right? You know, Wells Fargo, they got swooped yeah. up and. And their their people were were creating uh, savings accounts and credit cards accounts in people's names in order to you know hit their numbers. You know somebody got fired. You know somebody had to step down. But the machine keeps going. Exactly. Uh, we're not actually changing the system itself, and that's where Veridat comes in. So before we talk about exactly how companies will be using your software, uh, what are you doing to make sure that big pharma does come on board? We've uh, we've done a handful of talks. So uh, we've uh, discussed with the FDA already um, and their team. They've got a, a, a working group that looks at things like blockchain technology. Um, we've spoken with uh, uh, industry professionals who operate in the data integrity front. So a lot of consultants who work with these pharmacy companies who work for the contract research organizations that get 
a lot of the work, especially during um, uh, preclinical uh, trials. Um, and, you know, all we can continue to do is, you know, move the conversation from why would I do this to why wouldn't I do this? And that's that's been our biggest thing. It's been less about selling a company to utilize our service, but selling this idea that um, not just from a compliance perspective, which is, of course, there is a major cost to non-compliance. And I think most companies would find like, yes, they need a data integrity, uh, data compliance uh, mm. str- uh, strategy, right? Good point. Um, so if you're going to do it, why would you not want uh, the best tool possible and the, the most cost-effective tool possible to be able to do it? Um, and so I think as we continue to move the conversation again from why would I to why wouldn't I, it becomes incredibly clear uh, the benefit uh, which we um, you know we bring to the table uh, on the back of again uh, Bitcoin uh, SV's uh, massive you know scaling and secure network. Well, one thing I mean I, that I took from your presentation at the CoinGeek conference was that sadly, in some of these situations, because of the money that's involved and the money that can be made, there's almost an incentive to keep this bad system going. So do you think at some point, and I know it's a global problem, but do you think at some point the law has to step in and services like Veridat will have to be a legal requirement? Sure. The, the people certainly get reprimanded. Um, and I think when you when you think of fraud or bad actors, you have people that just outright lie. Right. Johnson and Johnson and Purdue Pharma are really good examples of that. Um, but more more likely what's occurring is that um, these large organizations who tend to farm out a lot of the, the data processing aspects of, you know, their 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 process. So they work with maybe four or five contract research organizations at the beginning of, of drug development. And then those contract research organizations or CROs, they may farm out work to five and 10 other parties. And everybody has an incentive, not necessarily to commit outright fraud, but that the data looks a bit better to get them to that next phase because of course they will then get paid more money, right? And it's it's totally understandable. It's not to say that they're going to give them outright you know, misinformation, mm. but as they clean things up, but the problem is, if you've got five contract research organizations that are working with 10 sub parties, right? You know, sub subcontracting organizations, you each, you now have 50 data providers and nobody is talking to the other. You have a lot of this, these, you know, you know, silos of information. If the contract research organization is receiving everything from those, the, the original data in its state, they can view all of those as a single unit, right? And so these outliers that they may be cleaning up are actually not outliers at all. Mm. And so, that's why it's it's just I, I feel like I certainly need to be a lot clearer about uh, fraud, bad actors, misinformation, and just poor poor data practices too, which we find is is likely that's really occurring. And in a perfect world, um, yes, we would love to be mandated, obviously, um, as part of that process. Um, and I, whether or not we get there, they say you well, a I know the U.S. government would never say you have to use Veridad, um, <laughs> but. As much as we would love that, people at the <laughs> FDA may be watching right now, call me. Um, but, uh, um, you know, I, I do believe that services such as ours will become more important, um, especially as they see their benefit. You know, we're, we're looking forward to, as is our pharma partner, knowing that they will no doubt run into an audit, um, you know, with the work in which we're currently doing. Goodbye are the days of long paper trails and this absolutely inefficient system across industries. Hello, blockchain, simplified systems. So to that end, how does Veridat work 
for businesses? Sure. So we uh, allow um, the, 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 the customer to add users. So let's say somebody from the FDA comes to our pharma partner and says, uh, the data supplied at this level, this thing looks a little wonky. We want to verify uh, you know, the, the occurrence of it, the, the, the supporting information and metadata. Okay, no problem. They can uh, log into our system uh, and they can give them very pointed access, direct access to only the uh, pertinent information. So if it's a particular trial that may have five or 10 iterations on it, they can show them uh, the, then the FDA is able to log in, excuse me, uh, to our, our system with that, uh, uh, their username and password and have access to that very pointed information where they can look at the entire uh, trail, the audit trail, showing from when the, the whichever scientist or tech uh, did that very first trial, let's say they renamed it. And so there's going to be another line, you know, line item uh, in there showing, hey, this was when they changed the name of it. And then we have all the black, uh, the uh, block IDs uh, for those as well, for every single one of those transactions that they can then click. Let's say in that third one, it finally ran all the way and we have data from that and a data file is created. So they also passed us where the location of that data file is. And they can also use our uh, hash endpoint to create a hash of that data file. So if the FDA goes, cool, well, this is the sixth iteration of it. I can take the sixth iteration and I can actually upload that against uh, uh, utilizing our system, and it will tell me if the hashes match up. So I know, do I have the most recent version of this particular data file, or did I get a version of it in the middle, even though there's been multiple that could have been submitted after that? And so- Huge. It's, yeah, Huge. exactly. And that's 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 gonna, I, we feel that's really the best part of the platform, um, which is again, that audit function to be able to open up reporting and give you know direct access to only the pertinent information and they can see that that audit trail. So would each company then have this integrated into their own IT system and their own network or do they log into a public network or onto Veridat system? How, do, how does that side of it work? Uh, so the, the basic onboarding is that after uh, the user has uh, um, uh, created their username and password, we have a bunch of API documentation uh, in which they use to integrate into their system. You know, in a perfect world, the only time anybody should be logging into Veridat uh, is when you first sign up, um, you're doing your integration, and if you need to give somebody access later on. Great. In between, it because it is integrated via RESTful API, all that information is happening in real time. They work within their systems and only their systems. And we just sit there running quietly in the background. Again, nobody's managing wallets and private and public keys. Nobody's trying to figure out how do we fund this thing? How do, what do we put in our taxes that we had to buy, you know, you know, fifty thousand dollars in you know cryptocurrency? All that stuff is 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 moot. Um, you know, they they pay us uh, in standard fiat terms and, uh, and services. Um, um, and that just allows them to to move about their business as they do normal every single day. You know, that's all the uh, all the the benefits of blockchain technology with none of the nuances of you know trying to be able to to make it usable for your company. Absolutely. And now, of course, when most people think of blockchain, we're BSV people. We understand that BSV is is the way to go. But for those who maybe just look at blockchains as a huge world in itself, can you explain why? BSV was the only blockchain that Veridat could work on. Sure. Uh, when we first went down the path of Veridat, um, we had Pharma in mind as our business partners, my business partners, excuse me. Um, they own uh, and operate a contract research organization. And the idea behind this was 
Um, we could go the IBM route, which clearly I'm glad we didn't. They're not faring too well right now. Um, you know, we could have gone with a, a private, you know, just standard digital ledger technology that we could say, well, we said it happened. Or we could put on their system to say, well, we, you know, they said it happened. We thought if the public was really involved, it's not enough just to say a single entity or person said something happened. We wanted those transactions verified against a public blockchain. Um, it's, you know, just like in a, a Yelp review, right? If, yeah. if a thousand people say that this place is fantastic, you're probably going to go, chances of it being fantastic are really high. Exactly. Right? And as we said at the beginning of all industries that need this format is one of those. There's such a huge level of mistrust around people. So who better to verify it than having it on a public system? It seems the only way that something like this would work. Absolutely. And we're seeing a lot of that with the, the vaccines, right? You know, what's in it? What actually occurred? You know, we don't, we don't trust it. You know, imagine if, you know, in, in March, I guess, of last year, February, yeah, March, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. April, I think they came up with the first iteration of it. Like, if it would have gone through that entire process to delivery today, there might be a lot less, um, um, you know, kind of nervousness about taking this or trepidation to, to, to go get it. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are like, you know, don't be stupid, trust the science. And then, you know, they get that call or that text message and they start to go, is it safe? Like, that's, that's natural to do that, right? You're not, you're not a bad person. You're not anti-science. You just don't want to grow, you know, a sixth finger on your right hand <laughs> or, you know, I mean, it's, and that's totally natural. And, and I think with services like ours, you know, as we start to get integrated into more companies, they're going to use this as a selling point. This is no different as, you know, requiring or not requiring, but, um, you know, the SSL certificates mm. uh, in the early dot-com days. Can you remember a time when we willingly put our credit card information or yeah. our checking account information, right, you know, into a website that had no SSL? And then you would see when they had that giant lock on it, like, look, your shit is safe. Like, that's that's in essence what we're going for here. Like, it may sound gimmicky right now, but... Tell me if you could ever imagine entering your information into a site that didn't have, you know, that secure socket layer in place. I love that. So what do you think then time wise till we're all looking at this as just part of the background and it's just the norm for, for this industry? My preference would have been yesterday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think as we begin to talk a little bit more publicly uh, and release this white paper in which we are doing with our pharma partner, I think it's going to become uh, very clear how they are leading the charge um, to, to, to really show that there is a, a massive value to this. And it's not that they're worried about somebody coming in and, and committing fraud. It's really more of we have this, this service that allows us to back up a ton of information, right? I mean, we're, we're also a fail-safe for them. So not only do they have another place where this information can exist, they also have all the benefits, again, of showing this immutable chain of custody, this immutable ledger where it shows, like, this was the first time we ran it and this was the last one. And it could have been, you know, a hundred times they've run it, but they can at least show every single iteration of that and verify its occurrence. Yeah, that's really, really impressive. Now, of course, uh, as well as the pharmaceutical industry, I understand that you're expanding in other areas. What have you been looking at? Other areas that we're looking at right now um, would be uh, the diamond industry um, or even gold, platinum, precious silvers. Anywhere you go to buy something and somebody could just as easily resell it, um, fractionalize it, maybe not even own it. Um, and so we are looking at opportunities right now in the color diamond uh, market where um, a, a broker uh, in Dubai 
um, would like to be able to show that uh, this is the exact diamond that they have through all the certificates and, and verifiable information. And they can also show the provenance of ownership there. So if somebody comes to them and says, I would like to invest $25 million in this obscenely large canary yellow diamond, um, they can do that and know that they do actually own it in that they can use that as their proof of ownership. So that if they ever said, hey, I need you to send this to me. And they said, well, we don't have it. You don't own it. They can always point to it and say, yeah, I do. And that's that. So um, that industry looks really interesting right now. Um, another one is in the investment uh, uh, advisor uh, industry. Uh, we have another partner uh, here in Northwest Ohio that is building some tools for um, uh, investment advisors uh, as far as their uh, portfolio uh, goes um, to be able to show the, the, the provenance of, of um, adjustments that they make in their investment strategy to show um, when things were approved and when they were not approved. Um, so that's very early uh, in its infancy right now. Um, and then lastly, gaming. Uh, this uh, this is how my business partners and I originally um, got uh, synced up together is because we were uh, looking at uh, blockchain technology uh, as a means of verifying fair gameplay in competitive uh, uh, games such as you know esports or in our case we do competitive blackjack uh, as one of our titles. If we can show our you know a person who plays our game where in an industry uh, such as gaming it's very easy to say I got cheated you stole from me blah blah you name it right um, we can say well actually we can show you the provenance of this is when your deck was created this is exactly how you played this is what your competitor also received showing that the decks were identical and how they played and so there's no there's no more of this like you cheated you know this was a bot it's like actually these are real people we can verify when they created their accounts they passed all of our AML and KYC checks and geo compliance so it just it, it allows us to verify that these are people um, they are playing, you know, their cards, you know, they got a fair shake in our particular game. Um, and we'll add this to our platform for other competitive uh, gaming companies that want to uh, you know, provide the, that same level uh, of trust. That comes across as the common thread here is is trust. That's exactly what I was going to say, actually, because a lot of people would look and say, OK, someone who's worked in gaming and now a jump to form pharma, how does that kind of work? So do you mm -hmm. see trust as the common thread there? What made you make the jump? Absolutely. So, I mean, we, we refer to Veridat uh, as a TAS product. So it's a trust as a service product. And that's really what we're, we're doing here. We are all about, um, uh, you know, data integrity. We're, we're here to show that, you know, again, these things occurred when they occurred in the pertinent data uh, that was, you know, derived from those uh, occurrences. Um, and, and trust is something that we willingly just kind of offer in, in a lot of areas in our lives. And, and gaming is certainly one of them. And that's why you see a lot of I got cheated um, in, you know, uh, um, uh, app store reviews and things like that. Um, right now, Skills, S-K-I-L-L-Z, they just did uh, an IPO via a SPAC, uh, three plus billion dollar valuation. They have multiple lawsuits of people suing them saying they've been cheated and they wow. can prove that they've been cheated. Like imagine if Skills had our service in there, they could say, well, actually, we can show you this is why you were not cheated. Instead, this is going to get dragged through the mud with lawyers and everything else. And I don't even want to think about the costs that they're going to incur, not to mention the public damage that you get. People are going to be less inclined to want to play on that platform if there is a very real concern that they're going to put their 20 bucks in and a bot is going to you know, run them over. So I guess, as you as you said earlier, it just becomes a case of why would you not do this? This is like there's literally no negatives to coming onto a system like this if you're honest and you want 
their business to continue. Exactly. It's 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 too cheap. It's it's again, it's incredibly cost effective. Um, it's it's fast and scalable again and completely secure. I mean, it's it's an insurance policy that just keeps on giving. Huge. So I, I'm understanding that you're not able to mention who your former partner is at the moment. Hopefully we can pick up this conversation again in the near future and pick back up and hear about some of the exciting things that you've got cooking. Absolutely. And cannot wait to, to, to share the, the good news, um, not just, again, within uh, the blockchain community, which has been incredibly um, supportive of the work that we've been doing, but also in the pharmaceutical industry. You know, it's it's one thing to yell into the echo chamber that is people who understand the value of this yeah. uh, technology. But when you do get um, that that tip of the hat, that nod of approval from uh, um, a partner uh, who is as large as ours uh, is um, it, it, uh, it just, it shows that, you know, this, this technology has very real legs, um, and will serve a, a, uh, major purpose. Absolutely. An honor talking to you again. Another hero in the space. Really appreciate your time. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Please do share the video and hit that subscribe button. Charles Miller will be back next week with Luke Rohenaz. Tonic Pow are launching an advertising platform powered by Bitcoin, and it should be a great episode. That's it from me, Natalie Mason. See you soon.